Welcome to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. We really appreciate you listening, downloading, maybe even chatting with us on social media. Last week, if you didn't listen, uh, we had our guest, Amy, who talked about being a pastor of a home church, as well as being a pastor and a female, and how that kind of is something that the Nazarene Church does different than, uh, than other churches. Before that, we had a guest named Hunter, who talked about engaging cross-generationally uh, between young and old. Hunter is actually even younger than Byron and I, who happen to be millennials, which is kind of what this whole podcast thing is about. Before that, we had Brent and Will. Uh, but basically, this podcast is simply a desire to talk about what it means for us to live out our faith in the culture that we surround ourselves in. So thank you very much and welcome. If uh, Again, if you're new, we have this ongoing commentary where we've joked about being sponsored. And my co-host, Byron, has had some choice words about our <laughs> sponsorship. In our first episode, Byron, you made fun of our sponsor. Who was our sponsor? Uh, you were, just uh, <laughs> for the first two episodes, actually. <laughs> for, for the first. You were our, our sponsor. First, for our first two episodes, yeah, I maybe was our sponsor. I wrote a book that shares the name. Um, of this podcast. It's called The Millennial Pastor. That one time I was a millennial and they gave me a church at 28 years old, dot, dot, dot. I can't even. And this podcast follows very similar storylines to what I share in the book, just being a millennial, being a pastor, being a person that finds themselves in leadership, but understanding that sometimes church kind of looks different depending on when you grew up going to it, where you went to it, um, that sort of a thing. So this podcast is dedicated to that conversation. But after that, we actually ended up getting a real sponsor. And Byron desperately was hoping for something in particular that has yet to come. What was that thing, Byron, that you were just so hopeful for happening? I was assuming we'd get a bunch of rejection letters. Uh, and like, you, you wanted to do some sort of segment. And you, you... Yeah, I was hoping to have a segment where I got to read our rejection letters. I think it'd be funny. So like a reverse sponsorship, like not not that I would say like don't use these products or anything, but like ones that should be like you're not big enough for us. Maybe later, I don't know. Basically, be fun. Basically, a we're not good enough to have real sponsorships, so we're going to celebrate the fact that our podcast is is a joke. But instead, we jokingly refer to ourselves as too legit because now we really for really are a real podcast, as evidenced by our sponsor. And today, Byron, it is with great pleasure that I, I cede the, the microphone to you because today, because of our arrangement, you get to read copy from our sponsor. Are you ready for this, Byron? I'm so excited. Are you just the <clears throat> most stoked? Because not only do you have to kind of uh, do something you weren't hoping to do, but you get to do it in a way that maybe, I don't know, do you feel like you're selling your soul a little bit? No, but first of all, I have told you to help with this anyway. I just assume we get more rejection letters than actual <laughs> sponsors. So on that note, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash millennial pastor. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from on your, for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wow, that is neat, Byron. How do you feel? I feel fine. I actually like Audible, so that's, all, that's also helpful. <laughs> if you've listened to past episodes, you've heard me read copy for our past sponsors. And uh, I, we'll see how much longer they sponsor those episodes. If you haven't heard, um, yeah, maybe I didn't feel so great about having to read copy. 
Anyways, Byron, as you have said in the past, we're sellouts. But that's not really the point of this podcast. We're sponsored. That's great. We like reading. Audible's really cool. The point of this podcast is to dialogue with others, um, other millennials in particular, about what it means to be the church, what it means to be a person of faith and living culture. So we have a guest today, and I'm really excited to introduce to you, Ralba. Ralba, you here with us? Yeah, I'm here. Ralba, I know that's not Okay, hold on. Yeah, so before we start, what's your real name? (laughs) My name is Ryan. I I was debating whether or not I should acknowledge Josiah's name. (laughs) You, like, gave me, like, the Benifer name without the only one. (laughs) To be be fair, we've been calling you this for quite a long time. Oh, I I know, but I... I mean, I've called you Ralba for, like, well, I guess... A decade or more now? Well, I, and this is common to uh, this is common to us. us. What's your full name, Ryan? And people are gonna be like, "What? What does Ralba mean? This doesn't make any sense." <laughs> My name is Ryan Elba, and so, so yes. Byron calls your brother other names too, right? What you you have other variations for his brothers, Byron? Oh well, I call brother? I call his young well the brother I know well I call Talba because I've first never name... I've never done that to their youngest brother because I don't know him very well. That. <laughs> is your brother's name Tyler or something like that? Travis. 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 Oh, okay. So Talba. So just yeah, yeah. Travis lived in my hall one year in college, so we were we lived across yeah. the hall from each other. So, well, needless um, to say, Ryan, Byron, and I all went to college together. We did. So it, we we weren't the same age though. So as I ask every guest, um, even though this is not you know maybe culturally appropriate, how old are you? Uh, I am thirty four. 34. So do you, do you feel like a millennial? I do. I mostly identify as a millennial. I mean, I've seen the age range go from like 81, 82 through 2000, but from the most common years I've seen is like 83 or 84 till to 2000 and I was born in 84. So so I'm on the upper end. You're, you're a, you're like the older millennials. That's the thing I've, I'm hearing a lot is people say yeah. that, oh, you're older millennial. You're younger yeah. millennial. Yeah. Because, like, I remember, like, when people didn't have cell phones in school. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. and, like, I used, like, Prodigy and AOL. <laughs> so. <laughs> you were on AOL Instant Messenger? Did you use AIM? Uh, oh, for sure. What was your What was your username? Do you remember? Um, no, it's been like, it's probably been about a decade since I've used it. So I don't really remember. That's hilarious. Can we just talk about AIM for a second? Uh, I guess so. (laughs) Like the best part about AIM was getting a clever name and I had one of the best. What was it? Well, we'll we'll be the judge of how good it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's an explanation to it, but it was Snapping Turtle 66. Oh my goodness. Um, and it's because in football, in high school in football, I was a center. And apparently when I used to, um, when we'd go lift weights and stuff with the team, when I would bench for whatever reason, I like, I watched the bar all the way down. So I'd move my head, I guess. And it, my friends thought I looked like a turtle. <laughs> so, and then 66 was my, was my football number. So snapping turtle 66. Oh man. That's great. Yeah. I love the name days. Do you guys remember like when people didn't use their name on the internet? Like it's so weird these days. It was kind of anonymous. You had to really know your friends well to find their username on AIM. Yeah. It's like, dude, what's your username? Oh, that's you? Oh, cool. Well, and if you misspelled it at all, you wouldn't get the right person because there was like a million people with something similar. Oh, man. So like, yeah. Yeah. And then, then MySpace came. I mean, I don't, I don't know what Friendster really was. I never used it. Yeah. It was but like, like MySpace, like 
you're putting your picture, like all this stuff, like it's about your life. That's when we started to overshare, I feel like. Yeah. So. The internet took a crazy swing from like total, like everybody was crazy about privacy to like, I don't care. Dude, <laughs> so, now, so the funniest <laughs> meme, the funniest meme I saw is we were, we grew up being told, don't talk to strangers, don't take rides from strangers. Now we summon <laughs> strangers to our houses to get in their cars with them. So they can take us places, <laughs> and we pay them for that. And we service. pay them. It's kind oh of, my gosh! Uh, I I don't know if this has anything to do with like how millennial I am. I've only ridden one Uber in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because I've heard uh, you know Uber isn't just something young people use anymore. My parents were telling me the other day about riding in an Uber, and at at first I was kind of shocked. Really, you guys know how to no. do that? My in-laws were the ones who were, like, telling us all about Uber. I'm like, I've never done it. They're like, oh, yeah, it's great. And, like, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Maybe so, that yeah. speaks more to how much uh, money you have, or how much disposable income you have or something like that. I don't know. Well, I think it has more to do with my, my father-in-law flies a lot. And so he gets Ubers a lot from when he goes to the airports and stuff like that. Okay, so we have to bring that up now. So speaking of which, you're currently – what state do you reside in, Ralba? um arizona i'm like two hours south of byron yep so me and byron actually grew up with your wife yes yes we did we would go to all the youth camps all the camp meetings because her dad the guy you were just referring to was the district superintendent at the time in arizona yeah and so for the longest time and i don't think byron did this as much as i did um i just remember i was a punk in high school so i kind of start conversations with people I went to, to, you know, church camp stuff with, with sorry for how I was. And so um, I remember going to college with uh, your wife. She ended up, uh, I don't know if she was in Arizona for all of high school. I can't really remember. But she was. She was in Arizona for all of high school. Yeah. So yeah. She was like, hey, sorry for how me and Byron were. I know we were punks. Sorry. And so the most recent, I remember talking with you about this, Ryan, at some point, your wife's like, just tell Josiah I got it. He doesn't need to say sorry. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I, I really don't remember it being that bad, but I think I think there's Josiah? some like, guilt on Josiah's end. <laughs> so the thing is, like, we both made fun of your wife a lot. She's a good friend of ours, but like, we would make fun of her for stuff. And like, Josiah was a little over the top at times, <laughs> especially freshman year of college, because she came to college, then her parents moved. And we decided, and this is partially my fault. Josiah's not all to blame with this. I'm going to say we, it's 50 50. Well, yeah, but you, you just went worse on it, though. So what we decided to say was, oh, you don't have a home anymore. Because <laughs> she had never been to her parents' oh, house in I, Kansas City. I legitimately and, forgot about that. Oh, yeah, no, it was horrible. We were, we were terrible people. Oh, my um, gosh. But, like, that was a joke. I think I might have even come up with it, honestly. Probably. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a Byron but, but here's the thing. Josiah just kept it going. Because she never went to Kansas City with her parents. Doesn't until thanksgiving like, like she yeah. didn't see her parents house until thanksgiving so we were just <sighs> joked that she doesn't have a home and yeah. josiah so, just made it worse I, i'm pretty sure i came up with it uh, i don't take credit for it it was terrible so I'm be the person, on behalf but, yeah. of the millennial pastor podcast megan alba one final time we apologize for we how are we so behave. sorry that you knew us <laughs> at that oh, time in our lives moving we right got, along i think we got better but yeah we're oh. sorry you knew us at that time in our, in our that stage in our life good thing god forgives oh my lanta <laughs>
Josiah has like a real guilt issue. Have you have you worked this out? Have you gone to like seeing I'm them? still I'm still working it out, man. Apparently, <laughs> still working it out. Oh my Lanta. So with all that put in the past with every guest, I don't know if you've heard this yet, Ryan, but we like to do a little how millennial are you segment. Oh, I have. So we change up the questions. Ryan hasn't heard these questions beforehand. This is me and Byron's attempts to maybe either prove the stereotype right for Ryan or prove it wrong. Because many may know, some might not, that millennials are uh, talked about in various step in very stereotypical terms all over the internets, all on the newses, and all on in all the places. So we like to poke fun at that stereotype and have fun with our guests. So are you ready for the how millennial are you question time? Oh, hit me. All right, Byron, you ready? Let's do it. All right. Ryan. Yes. Did you ruin this past Thanksgiving by cooking a small turkey? Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> how big was it? Do you remember? I just did the... Um... The turkey breast, so it didn't have the legs on it. Oh, man, you definitely ruined Thanksgiving, man. Uh, I know. I smoked it. It was awesome. <clears throat> well, that's probably cool. tasted great, but that's you ruined it. You ruined yeah. it. Um, all right. Did you ruin this past Christmas by not saying Merry Christmas enough? I am honestly, probably, I I don't. <laughs> my, my wife had to teach me how to say, like, bless you after people sneeze. I just like the, like. <laughs> <laughs> niceties of society just don't i don't for some reason i just forget about oh, them you, you know manners got it <laughs> yeah yeah ryan has no manners <laughs> oh and this this next question is seriously hilarious because we asked on our social media to recommend questions to us and i had already put this in our questions for ryan and he actually recommended it <laughs> what generally speaking ryan have you most recently ruined in this country <laughs> um I've probably ruined I've been thinking about this. I think I've ruined like landscaping. <laughs> How so? <laughs> How did you ruin it? Uh, my I I grew up mowing lawns in Arizona and so like if I never mow a lawn ever again, I'm okay with that. <laughs> For those all those who don't live in Arizona, like it's like 110 degrees at 5 a.m. So <laughs> That's a true story. So I uh um our front yard is full of weeds right now i and i purposely want to put rocks on it because i don't want to mow a lawn so you're ruining landscaping fair enough i guess and to be fair southern arizona is the hottest place on the planet it feels like sometimes northern arizona not always so terrible but anyways byron go (laughs) have you ever used hashtag blessed on social media and if yes in what context Yes, but always ironically. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, do you drink LaCroix or a sparkling oh, water equivalent? I, I can't. No. <laughs> you can't? You just can't even? No. I, yeah, I can't even. It's like, I don't like I, LaCroix. I want to ask people that drink LaCroix, have you tried other drinks? <laughs> any, of any of the other ones? My okay. wife likes a LaCroix knockoff called Bubbly, which is, I feel like, is a little bit better than LaCroix, but still. Mm. Uh, no. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Do you sport a man bun? <laughs> no. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you or your wife sell essential oils? No. Okay, but let's just. Do you use them, though? I've used them once. 
That's everyone's answer so far, Byron. Everyone's like, well, I've used it once. So would you use it again? So it was um, up at camp in lovely Prescott this last summer. I got mosquitoes love me. So I just got eaten up by mosquitoes. And one of the adults there is like, oh, you have to put lavender on it to get rid of it. I was like, honestly, I'll try anything. So, <laughs> so it was out of desperation. Yeah, I don't know if it actually worked or if it was like all the other medicine that I, I didn't. Let's just say it wasn't a scientific study. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Do you put avocado on everything? No. Avocado is just one step away from guacamole for me. So if it's not guacamole, I probably don't use avocado too much. But do you use, I mean, do you eat guacamole? Oh, most definitely. That's the only yeah. way to eat it in, in yeah. southern Arizona? it's the only way I really enjoy. I mean, I guess I'll put it on. Like if I order something at a restaurant that it comes with avocado and I'll, I'll take it, but yeah, pretty much guacamole. Fair enough. So have you ever maintained a physical checkbook outside of online banking? Yes. You have for real? By like maintain, like I own a physical checkbook. I don't write checks on the regular. But do you maintain your account balances in that little paper book thing like your parents Oh, no. No, 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 no. Okay. That requires math. I became a pastor (laughs) for a reason. (laughs) Okay. Last question, Byron. Go. How many times a day do you use the phrase, I can't even? Less than 1%. 1% of what? The day? I've used it before, but like... I couldn't tell you the last time, but okay. So not regularly, but yeah. Well, to recap, I think you're pretty millennial. I mean, some of these things, though, I don't know if it's so much a millennial thing. Like Lacroix, supposedly we really like sparkling water, but my parents drink sparkling water way more than I do, so I don't really know. Yeah. Um, essential oils, and you ruined Christmas. You ruined Thanksgiving. You ruined landscaping. You've true. Used, you've used hashtag blessed, even if it's ironic. You still used it. You like guacamole. Um, you don't know how to maintain a, an actual checkbook balance outside that, of online banking. But that's that's out of laziness. There's a difference. <laughs> but, but the stereotype is that millennials are lazy, so it it, it works. Uh, okay. And then sometimes yeah. you can't even. Yeah. Well, congratulations, yeah. Ryan. I think you're a millennial. Thank you. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't qualify according to our questions, we kick you off the podcast. So yeah, still just, on. You can't be a part of it anymore. Sorry, we're exclusive in that way. <laughs> good thing so I tell- rearranged my schedule to be here today. Oh, good. <laughs> well, good thing. Good thing we're using your time efficiently and wisely. It wasn't a waste. So tell us a little bit more. I know uh, we all went to school together, but just tell us real briefly um, before we actually get into some of the discussion topics your education and the fact that you're a pastor, just kind of a brief overview of the story of your life for those that may um, or may not know you well. Yeah. Um, so I have some, several connections with your past guests. I'm happy to say that I've listened to all of your episodes. Yes. Uh, and I have enjoyed most of them. <laughs> Everyone except for the first two. Just kidding. Those are the only ones that I know the people on them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I like Amy, I think was your last guest, right? Yes. I was, um, I, my undergraduate degree was in sociology. Oh, okay. And, uh, like a couple of the other guests, I have attended seminary. Mm. So that's my education. I graduated as well. I just want to throw that High out five. There. High <laughs> five. Well done. Uh, and then, uh, so it was education, kind of life life situations where I'm at in ministry or sure I mean just kind of who you are in a very brief nutshell because we're going to get into it a little further but okay just your brief overview um specifically kind of like how long you've been in ministry as well but also okay. just life in general um I've been in ministry for six years full-time and uh loving it uh well most days <laughs> uh <laughs> I uh, enjoy, uh, I'm a kind of a sci-fi geek. I like photography. I enjoy barbecuing and smoking meat. Uh, uh, apparently you, you're ruining Thanksgiving because of how much you like smoking meat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't get out very much. I have two small children. They're both two years old, which I, I know we'll talk about later. Yep. Uh, uh, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, two dogs. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on the show, Ryan. Thank you. Me too. I'm glad to be here, guys. Well, Ryan, with every guest, we like to dialogue a little bit about church in general terms. We like to mm -hmm. talk about how they define it, um, and, but also why they're still a part of it. A lot of what we want to dialogue about as millennials is the fact that our generation um, currently, presently, is least active in the church. Um, Gen Z is going to maybe make, give us a run for our money. But our, our generation, based on most of the research that's available, was the first generation in recent history that a majority of us left when we turned about 18 years old. So that's a significant conversation to have. And this in no way is some sort of conversation about churches needing to just be seeker sensitive to millennials or cater everything they do to, to, you know, 20, 30 year olds. But this is something that is reflective on how churches disciple, how churches pass down um, what they believe and how they be the church. So as I've asked with other past guests, I, I put it to you, you're a pastor, but what is it that you pastor? What, what is it you define church to be and why haven't you left? I think the church uh, is the people of God, as I know other, other um, guests have said. There's, uh, a, there's a theme. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe that the, it is, the church is the people of God living out the kingdom in the world today. I think it would be my best way of describing the church. So, so it's almost like our whole shtick of faith and culture talking about what that's about. Yeah. As being a, an example of what the kingdom is like, uh, we should be, we as in the cheat, the church uh, should be the most accepting, open and loving community because that's the way that Jesus describes the kingdom. Uh, so uh, in a lot of ways, we're not, um, and because uh, although we are a we are the church, we are made up of sinful people. So, so it's, then, it's hard. why haven't you left? Why have you actually leaned in more to to engage more fully in this thing called church? 
because I want to be a part of the pro- the solution, not the problem. Okay. Uh, not saying that like all churches are bad or all churches need to be, you know, need to change or anything like that. But I think overall, um, like you have said, um, the numbers don't lie in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. instead of leaving and, you know, just taking my ball and going home, <laughs> uh, I've decided to stick it out and uh, to engage people where they are and hopefully invite them to think about the church differently. So you're kind of referring a little bit there to me and Byron kind of airing grievances and in, in past uh, podcast episodes. So for you, um, are there things you would say you love about the church as well as things that probably desperately need fixing? What, what would come to mind most if I were to ask you that? Things I love, I mean, I do love the church. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I'm not going to just leave something that has been so forming in my life. I grew up in church. I grew up um, loving church and being active in church. So I think a lot, one of the aspects I, I love is the sense of community, uh, the sense of belonging and grace and mercy that I felt in the church. And some of the things I think can definitely be corrected uh, is being more, I don't really, I don't like the word like seeker sensitive. I think that kind of has a connotation in a lot of ways, but seeker friendly or whatever. I think we, the church needs to be more interested in who's not there than who is there. Hmm. Okay. I was talking about that in a sermon today, actually. I said, uh, I don't want to be a country club church. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 At our church, the saying that we've, we've started kind of using in, in um, through sermons, through announcements, through just kind of our, our bulletin and stuff like that is we, we always ask the question of who's not here yet. Hmm. So uh, you know, who, who, who needs to be a part of the family? So, so, so what I hear well, you say, Oh, Byron, sorry, go for it. So I was gonna say, my question would be then, um, churches have had that problem for a while. Yeah. Um, and they've addressed it in certain ways. So some of those have been okay. Other ones have been extremely unhealthy for the church as in like <laughs> have more entertainment. Like we're going to have yeah. A fog machine. We're going to have this big stage and <laughs> this crazy music and we're going to have videos every week and entertain yeah. people. Yeah. That's not a great way to go. So no. what are some examples of things you guys are trying to implement or you have implemented that are practical, like things that you think might actually make a difference? Uh, one that- of the, one of the big kind of switches in my thought of ministry one of the ways that um, God has been speaking to me uh, in the last year or two is just uh, we need to, we need to be better at saying no to things. I'd rather uh, the example I like to give is I'd rather be in and out than the cheesecake factory. <laughs> that's fair. Cause, cause the in and out has is uh, famous for a small menu, right? Yeah. That what that's about. I, yeah. I'd rather do two or three things really well than do 50 things mediocre. 
There's some in this country that don't have in and out so I felt like that needed to be explained. No, but yeah, yeah. They're known for doing really good cheeseburgers and really good fries, and that's basically what's on their menu. And shakes. And shakes. 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 Those are like the three yeah. things that are their yeah. staples. Yeah. And so I'd rather um, I'd rather be really good at doing a couple things than just, you know, trying to throw spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stick what sticks. That makes sense. Uh, I have another analogy for in and out for you though. Yeah, what's that? So for those who don't know, In-N-Out's famous for having a, quote, secret menu. Yeah. <clears throat> so one thing I think churches can do better at is smaller things that don't necessarily have to get advertised. Yeah. If you're truly being the body of Christ, you don't have to boast about it because that's not right. So mm-hmm. your church should be known for doing things. Like you should be out there engaging the, the public. But like the church that Josiah and I grew up in, We've aired some grievances on this podcast about that and how we felt like we were treated as younger people. Um, But when I was an intern at that church in college, I spoke to our senior pastor about some of the issues that church had. And uh, he had a, he agreed with me on a lot of stuff, but he also shared with me some things that were happening behind the scenes that no one ever knew about. Yeah. Um, How one of our Sunday school classes um, raised a crazy amount of money every year and did a lot of really cool things for just people in the community who either were shut-ins now because of health or what, I mean, there was, they did, they helped a lot of different people, uh-huh. but um, they did a lot of different stuff and never publicized any of it without credit almost. Yeah. Well, with no credit, no one knew besides yeah. that Sunday school class and like the four or five people who organized it and the pastor, no one knew they never talked about it. But they did some really cool things. And honestly, I can't remember specifics right this second because it's been that was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever when he told me about it. But like they were doing things that I was really proud of, but that doesn't yeah. reach the bulletin. That's not in our announcement. It's not saying that wasn't a church wide thing. It was a group of people deciding to do something different and they were OK with it not being public. So I think churches need to find ways to be public about good things they're doing but to encourage people to do good, do ministry and things. But yeah. at the same time, we should just be doing good things because yeah, that needs yeah. to be our, our quote secret menu. I agree. So, so the church yeah. needs to be more like in and out. This is yeah. Great. Amen. <laughs> we, need to put, we need to put Bible verses on everything we hand to customers. <laughs> wait, wait, we already do that. <laughs> so, not always. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, and then, uh, I mean, kind of at the heart of that is the, the question I think all a lot of us need to ask is, you know, how is what we're doing um, leading to people being discipled? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when you are, when you have that kind of seeker mentality, which is good, like once, I, once again, I said that, you know, we need to be more mindful of who's not here than who's here. Uh but when you're just thinking about like, you know, how do I get butts and seats? Mm-hmm. Uh, you tend to uh, do a lot of things that like bring people in for a season and then they leave. You know, the, the, the backdoor problem that a lot of churches talk about. They're much more superficial fixes because they don't yeah. really get to the heart of fostering true relationships and real community within that church yeah and so like i've 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 told a couple people this you know like i could have uh at my church i'm the associate pastor i don't think i mentioned that 
And yep. I'm in charge of youth and our adult Sunday school and our small group ministry and building the website and all that other stuff. So, uh, but I've, I've told a few people, you know, like, and we have a really small youth group. I said, uh, we can have a really big youth group like next week. All I need to do is like give away like Xboxes every week and, you know, <laughs> have, yeah. have pizza, you know, like I can get people in the doors, but there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those people are going to stick around, you know, past that Xbox giveaway uh, or that they're going to become disciples of Jesus. And so I think the most important thing for us is to disciple the people we have well to, with the intention of sending them out to invite others to come uh, join with them. And I think probably the biggest discussion, and we're going to have more specific conversation with you about this, Ryan, um, through the story of your life, comes when we realize that sometimes there's mutual discipleship that happens. Yeah. I think there's this kind of habit that the established church has, and it's not just an old to young thing. It's just a church to unchurched where you're trying to just fit someone into a mold. Um, And there is something to be said about why are we discipling? What are we discipling? We're trying to be into the image of Jesus. A lot of times, though, how discipleship comes about is I want you to be like my version of Christian. Yeah. I want you to be like my denomination's version of, of a church attender. And yeah. that's not always uh, maybe the most helpful approach. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to further dive into Ryan a little bit to talk about issues that might be divisive issues that could maybe lead to the breakdown of real meaningful relationships. Um, and, and then as a result break down the possibility for true discipleship to happen in the church because guess what sometimes we don't agree on everything and that's really i think oftentimes where the church has issues um existing uh, having a real authentic community because we just don't have the sense of uh agreement even though the bible very clearly says we can be united in our diversity that we have Mm -hmm. different perspectives different gifts different abilities and that we should have this one unifying thing and that's jesus and the rest of the stuff can be kind of fluff um but before we get to the specifics of that byron you uh you're gonna once more have to do a fun thing because since we have a new sponsor (laughs) you get to champion that sponsor wholeheartedly and with all the energy and charisma you can you ready for that i mean i'll read it if that's what you're asking (laughs) Read about our sponsors so we can get to the stuff that's important. So this is a special offer for you, the listeners of the Millennial Pastor Podcast, which, if memory serves, is roughly 75 people a week. Um, (laughs) So Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So um, what I wanted to recommend, they want me to recommend an actual book, which um, is awesome. I love to read, so that's fine. There is a caveat to my recommendation. I am a fantasy and science fiction nerd. Um, So the book I'm going to recommend is not going to be for everybody. Nope. But I love it. It's a great book. It's by Neil Gaiman, and it's called Neverwhere. And it's really, really good. So what you need to do again, you need to go to the website, www.audibletrial.com slash millennialpastor. And that's how you're going to get a free audio book with a a free 30-day trial. So you can check out their products and see what they do. But if uh, if you're not too busy listening to this podcast or others in the car, I would highly recommend listening to books. It's a great way to get more books uh, every year. Um, there's something about having a physical book in your hand, but it is nice to be able to take in 
more story or what, even if it could be nonfiction, whatever it might be while you're driving or, you know, it just kind of gives you time to, to hear something nice. And so, yeah, it's not for everybody, but my recommendation is Neverwhere. It's a very good book. Man. You guys ever done the, like, sit in your driveway until, like, the chapter or the podcast ends? Yes, I have. All the time. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> I, I do it a little differently. I'm always doing dishes or cleaning up a kitchen or cleaning up after kids. And during nap time, I'm just, I'm cranking out as much as I can until a kid wakes up, basically, is what happens. So I do the times two, like, twice as fast reading, so I can try to Ooh. get through more of it. But that kind of you have to sit and really focus sometimes if they're talking about really <laughs> intense stuff, but the link uh, is going to be in the description of the podcast. So if you don't know how to spell millennial or pastor, or if you're not sure of, or audible, you, yeah, or audible, <laughs> the link will be in the description, but we're going to continue. Point out real quick that, that Byron's millennial was showing when he said, www dot who says that anymore? <laughs> who, who types that anymore? <laughs> yeah, <It's>... Byron. Okay. <laughs> in my defense, I am reading copy from the company. <laughs> That's what it says. That's like, right. what do you want me to say? I'm trying to be. I'm trying to do my job here. Well, oh. then your your other millennial ishness is showing because you're not very professional, Byron. You're not supposed to say that this is the copy and that you're reading copy. It's you supposed to sound. Said I had to... No, Byron. You it's said supposed it first. to sound. No, it's supposed to sound authentic and like you really mean all the things you're saying. People aren't supposed to be able to tell it's a commercial. I'm trying to be good. Oh, yeah. You did, good all right, you, did, you did pretty good, Byron. You did pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, I, I was you, told I... to read it, so I read it. Good job. Good job, Byron. Good I'm a job, good Byron. listener at everything. Good you job. are the worst. Good job. All right, well, Byron, thanks again for selling your soul for a sponsorship. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> so we're gonna move. We're gonna move right along to some more specific things because I think it'd be really cool to share. Ryan and his wife and his family are actually on the cover of Grace and Peace magazine. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it's, it's our we're, denominational. We're not, we're not on the cover. Let's let's not let's not oversell this. Okay, you were in it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Maybe you were not. Who was on the cover? Do you remember? No, it was like something that. abstract. It was about like refugees and caring for the least. It was it was good. But, well, basically, yeah. they were celebrating something you and your wife did. Um, so yes. you know, the article was all about uh, adoption, right? <sighs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about why you're on there and how this, uh, you know, you're, we're talking about discipleship, talking about relationships, talking about you haven't given up. You want to be part of the solution. And I, I guess I would assume this maybe is kind of an outpouring of your desire to be part of the solution. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, we've been pretty open with all, um, basically uh, Megan and I, we, we were in a spot where we were ready to have kids and we were having um issues with fertility and uh, we had some friends at our last church that were fostering and a few of them had adopted some kids that they had started fostering and so uh, before we we even got married Megan I kind of asked Megan what she wanted to do when she grew up and she just said she wanted to love people who needed love and so we started talking about like well you know we could go through an adopt adoption agency we could you know do all this stuff but it's going to cost a ton of money, which we didn't have. And, but there's kids who need parents now who, you know, uh, are out there who have had, you know, most of them through no fault of their own had been dealt a bad hand as far as kids that, you know, parents they were born to and situations they were in. So we decided to start uh, taking some classes to foster. It's a non easy Thing to do especially in california where we were living at the time it took us 
I don't know, six to eight months to kind of go through all the, all the requirements, jump through all the hoops. Uh, they don't just let anybody have foster, which is kind of good. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would say but so. It's, but it's also fr- super frustrating for people like us who are always like, you know, I've never broken the law. I've never done anything bad. Like, you know, how about we just get, get through this? Uh, so we, we did all that. And actually, before we were finished with the classes, uh, the lady who was kind of who kind of taught her like intro class. She was an amazing, awesome, godly woman. And she really liked us. And uh, she basically told us like, she like told the social workers like, hey, these, should, these guys should get a kid like as soon as possible. So uh, about almost three years ago, uh, we went and picked up my son who was 27 days old at the time. And we started fostering him and we adopted him a year to the day that we picked him up. So took us a year to go through the adoption process that's, after that. That's crazy. Yeah. So you have one adopted child, but you also <laughs> ended up, uh, so how did that pan out though? Cause you also have a biological child, right? Yeah. So like I said, uh, a lot of it was just, you know, we were having trouble getting pregnant and we were just, you know, there's plenty of kids out there who need to be loved. And so we got, uh, Caleb, my son, and literally two weeks later, we found out that we were six weeks pregnant. So my kids are nine months apart. That's so awesome. It's that's gonna be fun to explain for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so that's kind of shaped who you guys are as not just parents, but you know, yeah. as a pastor. That's that's kind yeah. of been a, a significant mark on who you are, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, my son is uh, he he was born drug exposed. Um, we, I mean, honestly, it took us a year to go through the adoption process. That is a short amount of time in the adoption process. And we were super frustrated with it. Everybody who goes through the adoption process gets super frustrated with it. Cause at some point there's just so many things that are just outside of your control. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways it's a legal process. Like there's courts involved and stuff like that. Uh, but my son, uh, he's, he's, he has special needs. We're in the process of getting him, you know, officially diagnosed. He does in-house physical therapy at least once a week. Uh, he doesn't walk yet. He's almost three. His sister is running around going crazy. Uh, he is starting to talk a lot more. Uh, but a lot of it's just kind of like words like uh, Megan and I know what he's saying. <laughs> but... And he doesn't really kind of do sentences. He kind of just says words at this point. And you're so his translators. Is, yeah. And so, I mean, so we are, he is behind in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you know, through him, I have, you know, I think I've, I love him to death, first of all. And second of all, is just, he is just the kindest, most warmest, most, you know, beautiful kid I could imagine. And, um, I couldn't imagine not having him as my son. So, um, I think it's taught me how to love. I think, I mean, just as all parents go through, you learn how to have love and you learn how to not think about yourself all the time. And you learn how to, you know, be a grown up. I guess you could say. Yeah. Adulting hashtag adulting, right? Yes. Yes. Hashtag <laughs> adulting. So Jesus said a thing a couple of times. Oftentimes it was about loving the least of these, but then some of the great things that Jesus says that were marquee things that as a church, I guess I would like to believe we try to do well or treating others the way we want to be treated. Love God with our everything, love our neighbor as ourselves. And so sometimes that costs something 
of us. Yeah. I mean, as you, you're already kind of articulating it. Uh, we, yeah. we, we've tried to partner with foster care. Um, Byron is actually immersed in a whole bunch of this stuff as well. With, yeah. Byron uh, is, I mean, I, I'd say something nice about him, but then. <laughs> <laughs> Byron deals with a lot of that oftentimes as well. And it, I feel like too often turns political. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you've had things said, well, it's like, well, we could begrudge the parent that did the drugs or we could blame this. We, we just want to assign blame. I remember one time I was just talking to a group of people at my church and saying we should support the local foster care network and just be more involved in supporting at least the families. If we're not fostering ourselves, let's just support the families. And the immediate response I got from a person was, well, those crooked child protective services are trying to steal children from Christian homes. Uh, what? Uh, what? What? <laughs> what? I feel like that, 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 well, I feel, that's like one of those situations like who hurt you? Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, like, okay, hold on. To be fair, though, there are some terrible stories out there of things that different government agencies have done, and Child Protective Services is one of those. Yes. These these are still people. They are fallible. Yes. They screw up. Um, but the thing is, they also see terrible things every day. Yes. Yeah. So um, it's hard it's hard to decide. Well, and also sometimes they reunite families that I think shouldn't be reunited either. Cause I think that they're putting kids back in danger. Mm-hmm. So it's a, not a difficult, it's, it's a very difficult job and yeah. you have to make judgment calls. Um, but the thing is we, as the church, I believe we are called to support the families and, and help people no matter yeah. what, even if they did do something terrible to their children, we should believe that God is capable of changing their lives drastically however even if even if that doesn't happen even if those kids are better off somewhere else foster care should be about the children more than anything else definitely we should be taking care of those kids and i i can say firsthand from getting to know your son um and seeing you guys take care of him i don't know what his situation was i don't know what he came out of i mean i know that there's drug use involved but like you guys love that child and he clearly loves you. And so he's in a good place now. Um, yeah. We should care about that more than anything else. But yeah. there are people who do, who are involved in foster care. And I mean, foster parents who probably shouldn't have kids. Yeah. There are people who've worked for the different departments that police these kind of things that probably shouldn't have the power. Yeah. But we as Christians are called to take care of people and love people. Yeah, it's it's one of those so. like catch twenty two situations. Um, like when we started fostering them and we were talking about adopting them, like it was one of those like, and then also uh, like we were like, we love him, we want him to be ours, but at the same time, I don't want to cause his biological mom pain by taking away, you know, the son that she you know delivered. I mean, granted, she made choices and there were issues that led her to that position, uh, but like. And then also, like, there are days now where I'm just like, I just wish, you know, my kid was quote-unquote normal, you know? But it's like, well, if he would have been born into a normal family, then I, we wouldn't have ever got him, you know? So it's, it's really hard because, you know, I don't want to cause pain for that family and that situation. Um, I had heard from... Um, his biological mom, I think Megan had a conversation with her that basically her mom, uh, so the grandmother, uh, bio grandma, 
had um, like seven grandkids and they had all been taken away. Man. Mm. And so. Well, and that's why those yeah. rumors, that's why that kind of sort of, oh, well, you know, we can just assign blame. Let's focus on yeah. all our negative. But kind of what you already articulated, you want to be more part of the solution instead of always pointing out the problem. Because it's really easy. What I told that person that was at my, you know, small group discussion meeting. So it's really yeah. easy to sideline coach things. It's really easy to point out that was wrong. They did this improperly. Mm. It's really hard to open your home to a child that has been removed from their biological family and to actually love the least of these. Loving the least of these becomes a beautiful, messy thing that costs us something. So I guess I'm curious, uh, Ryan, because we could turn this political and we probably need to talk about some of the things that that are being discussed in our nation about how to treat the least of these. Um, But you kind of started out in a in a in not a pastoral role, I guess I would say, right? Um, before college, you you were between high school and college. You spent some time doing some stuff, right? Yeah, I was in jail. You I'm were in jail. jail? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. This is news to me. Well, like the way you're like introducing it, you're like you spent some time. <laughs> well, you were doing. Some, no, I thought he was saying you were on drugs. Oh, oh yeah. No, <laughs> you just say you were on just, meth. I just want you to share. I'm trying not to explain uh, your story for you. <laughs> I was no, I was I was in the army. <laughs> you were in the army, um, and so why why did you take that court? Like, why was that your track? Um, uh, I mean, the, the number one reason was, you know, just, you get money for college. (laughs) (laughs) It was all, that was like the number one reason. I mean, the other, I mean, it was shortly after 9-11, there was a certain amount of patriotism that was in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a certain amount of like, I was 17 when I enlisted, like, you know, it's like a way of like growing up and kind of claiming my independence and um yeah there was there was a lot of different reasonings behind that um you know who didn't play army men when they were kids like oh me and byron played (laughs) army men with each other we actually (laughs) shot each other with stuff all the time (laughs) exactly and so um yeah so there was a lot of stuff that happened i mean uh that was kind of the the driving force was honestly like hey i can get money for college um I wanted to go to, I mean, we went to a small private university that isn't cheap. Oh, my goodness. I'm still paying the, for it. Yeah. Your word. Oh. <laughs> no, well, the reason I asked that is because, you know, you started off a certain way. You wanted to go to college. But right now, um, around the world, you hear millennials just crying out about stuff. You hear other representations from other uh, generations. And it's not, not all millennials agree on this stuff, but. Yeah, we seem to maybe as the as as a country in this nation struggle with what it means to love the least of these. Um, Definitely, I, I kind of feel like we that's one of those things that would be the biggest obstacle for us to to live in relationship with one another to disciple. Sometimes, for instance, I'm going to use an example in my own life, and you guys can tell me what you think about this on Facebook, which is the worst place to do this. Um, I probably shouldn't have done it this way. I just shared something that our our uh, leadership, our denominational leadership shared about that zero tolerance policy with the separation of the the children from the mothers at the border. Um, Our denomination said, you know what, maybe don't do that. Uh, We would would ask you to reconsider that policy, Mr. President. We think that that does so much damage to the children. 
that it's, oh, yeah. it's psychological damage. It's even emotional, maybe even sexual damage is done as a result of some of this separation, considering that these children don't have IDs. The parents might ha- not have IDs and there's not really any guarantee they'll be put back together. As a result, I was just sharing this on Facebook. As a result, mm-hmm. someone else shared it. it. I followed the rabbit hole of who was sharing and what. People saw that and their response was, I can't be a part of this church anymore. Oh, wow. And so they simply said, I'm sorry, you're critical of this president and I voted for him. And so because you're saying that I don't like this one thing he's doing, um, I can't be a part of this church. And I saw these two opposed uh, perspectives. One simply trying to say, this is how we could better love the least of these. And this mm-hmm. other one saying, no, but we need to protect ourselves coming to, yeah. to a point where they're at odds. So I find it super interesting. You were kind of at the forefront of this protection, this service for in, ensuring our freedom, for doing all these things that the military does on our behalf. And then you, you later on in life became a pastor. Is there some sort of uh, tension there for you in, in conversations like this? You, you brought up patriotism. I mean, how does that how does that uh, look for you now that you've lived as long as you've lived and experienced the things that you've experienced? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good questions in there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've, my, my opinion on things have definitely changed. Uh, it's one of those experiences, like I wouldn't trade my experience in the military if I, if I go back and do it again, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't do that because I feel like I grew so much as a person and I am who I am because of that experience. At the same time, I very much have hesitations for um, use of violence or um, any kind of war, especially when you talk about, you know, the Iraq war, there's definitely uh, not exactly pure motives that were responsible for and, that. And that you were serving during that time. Were you in, in Iraq? I was deployed to Kuwait. And, and I mean, let me just throw out a caveat. Like I was not in any kind of battle area or anything like that. I never fired my weapon. I, I did IT stuff. So like I sat in air conditioning. I'm not like <laughs> trying to say like I'm some awesome soldier that I'm not. You're not Rambo. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh you ruined my whole perspective. My whole perception of you, man. I thought you were Rambo. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, the, the the funny part is like when you play army as kids, like you never like you never like reenact like taking inventory for the thirtieth time <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's what you do not. a lot. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I I went to college with kind of one view on the world. And I left with another. I think a lot of that had to do with a lot of our professors uh, exposing different ideas to us about, you know, what the gospel says and what the message of Jesus is. And I think another big reason is just I I traveled the world a lot. I've been I've been to almost all the continents. I think I'm missing like two two or three. Um, and I've been to Africa several times. I've been to Europe several times. Uh, I, I studied abroad in London and not to say that like, like look at me, it's just like when you go to a different place and you see a, the world through the eyes of other people and realize like, Oh, like the American dream isn't something that is international in no. a lot of ways. No. You begin to have a new perspective on, you know, when you say things like God bless the USA is like, well, 
I mean, I don't think it's implied, but you start saying like, well, you know, does that mean that God doesn't bless other countries or, um, you know, like why do we care so much about these arbitrary lines drawn on a map? And uh, yeah, it's, it, it opens your eyes to the different perspectives and, and views on the world. So I think I went, I went to, I left the, the when, when I was left the army, when I left my deployment, I went to college, I went a very cynical person. And when I finished college and kind of had got pushed on these things and started to change my mind about a lot of things, I left a very hopeful person, uh, but believing that the hope wasn't in a matter of, you know, who we elect or what policy is being uh, administered by any president or country, but it's, you know, our allegiance to Jesus and our, our, Ecclesia are, are being the church in the world. So do you have a way that you see patriotism um, lived out even as a person of faith? I mean, you're, you're uh, a veteran. We yeah. celebrate veterans a lot. You brought up patriotism or what maybe you see it being as opposed to, I don't know, I don't know what you're comparing it to, but there's yeah. a whole lot of conversation around the separation of church and state especially about this, you know, the wall. Um, So how do you see patriotism factored into the life of a person of faith, particularly with your, your history, your experience? I see patriotism as a good thing. I think it's good to be patriotic, to love the country and the place that you're from. Uh, You know, when the Olympics come around every two years, I (laughs) team USA all the way, you know, decked out. Yeah, I, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I root for USA men's soccer, which <laughs> never ends out well. It always uh, ends poorly. <laughs> uh, so I think patriotism is good, um, and being proud of where you come from, I think everybody should be proud of where they come from and, and you know the life they've experienced. But I think nationalism is where we have the issue, because I think a lot of people, they mistake patriotism for nationalism. And nationalism is the sense that uh, we're better than you, you need to be like us, or we're better than you, you need to go away. Hmm. And so I think those are, I mean, those are where you get, that's where you get the problems. And I think a lot of times we have, can, we as American Christians have, um, we've, we've mixed the two up. And then also uh, we've lost sight of, you know, who our allegiance is to in, 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 in the message of Jesus. And I think a lot of it comes down to tribalism. You know, tribalism is as old as humanity. It's very prominent in the Bible. Uh, it's a matter of, you know, I'm part of this team and my team's the best team and I want to win. And we, we <laughs> don't really stop to think about, you know, there are people on the other side who are, you know, just want to feed their families and want to love their kids and, you know, go to work every day and be safe and not really think about the the world from their perspective. Not everything has to be seen through the lens of winners and losers, essentially. Yeah, which is hard to move out of. I mean, I understand, like, it's a, it's a matter of, and I think that's where, I think that's where the, the problem of our politics has come into. It's, it, necess- it doesn't necessarily come down to whether or not 
any elected official, I'm not just talking about president, you know, senator, congressman, dog walker, I don't care. You know, like, um, it's a, it, it becomes down to like, well, that's the person I voted for. So that's the team I'm on. And so anybody who says anything against them is wrong. Hey, on a completely separate note, though, would you vote for me in the next election for Arizona dog walker? Because I'm going to run. Oh, my life. Byron, I don't know if I would ever vote for you for anything. <laughs> Seriously. I was going to say the same exact thing. I don't, Not I don't even I for dog walker? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I'll I'll prayerfully consider that, Byron. How about that? Well, just so you know, Ryan's dogs love me. That's a fact. They do. They do. Byron has dogs. That's for me. (laughs) Oh my land. Well, back on back on subject. uh, You know that it's interesting that you bring this up. Byron had said something or another. You know, Byron's not a parent yet. All you listeners, feel free to prayerfully consider asking God to bless Byron with children, because that's yeah, going to be One day, day yes, absolutely. We want to have kids. <laughs> tomorrow. We pray, have pray, time. Pray that God God gives them twins tomorrow. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but Byron said something about, uh, you know, he gets to go home at the end of the day, um, that caring for the least of these is hard. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what else you said about well, it. Well, I was talking about special needs kids in particular because they have more issues. There's more to it. Um, but I am at this point, it's my job. So I get to clock out. I get to go home. Um, I don't live with the the, the children I, I work with every day, you know, so I can mm-hmm. have a break or when it's not just when they go to school. But honestly, when parents talk about school coming back in, man, I feel that. <laughs> but, uh, the two week break for Christmas was rough. <laughs> like it was intense. Um, you have to occupy them all day. Yeah, no, and they take like, and they they don't get distracted easily. They like it's yeah, it was rough. So I was very grateful for school. Well, not to not to be rude to you, Byron. I mean, this is just this is an illustration. Um, I feel like so much of that, oh, I get to go home, is rooted in a selfishness. That's not truly what it means to love the least of these. Um, well, hey, not, Josiah, this is... at this point in my life, I've chosen not to have kids yet. So, like, <laughs> that's a choice. Like, that, you're that's part true. of that choice. And my wife and I haven't made that choice yet. We are planning on it. But Absolutely. that's part of it is, like, that's, that's me being smart right now because we're not ready for that. No, that's not what I meant. What I was meaning is sometimes – when we care for the least of these, it has to cost us something. So just like what Ryan was saying, we want our team to win. And a lot of times what that means is we are trying to champion uh, easiness, comfortability. Well, okay. or... I get that. But what I'm also saying, though, is I, have, I work a job purposefully. I, but I'm serious. I pursued a job dealing with special needs people. That's not an easy job. Yeah. That was a choice. Yeah. No, not at and all. And it's something I love to do because I love the people. Um, and I've done it before. Absolutely. It's not easy, but it is nice to be able to clock out. I don't, I don't have to Absolutely. care for them 24 seven, but Absolutely. I get what you're saying. But yeah, like that's, it is a choice. Um, no, I, I think the metaphor is that I think the church is more comfortable clocking out than clocking. Oh, absolutely. Out. Yeah. On everything. That's... Not just, not just living the least of these. I think in our culture per- specifically anyway, cause I'm not going to speak for the church globally, but I think our church loves it. The church as a whole, not just our denomination, loves it when it's easy. Um, but mm-hmm. that being said, like you brought up the fact that our denomination took a strong stance on a, on a very political issue that was you know, tearing people apart. And they took a hard stance on it, which they've done in the past, but they don't always do that. Our, our uh, denominations. Um, wow, I'm so not Nazarene right now. What is the book called? Um, 
The manual. That's the one? manual. Well, the last church oh, I worked in was a Methodist church. It's called something different. Um, but the manual, if you read it, has a lot of things. It's just like, if you believe this, then that's okay. If you believe yeah. this, then that's okay, too. In particular, the one I always reference is the military. So it says, like, if you want to join the military and be part of the American military, that's fine. Um, or just in general, because it's also in other countries. But it also says, like, if you think the military is wrong and you want to be a conscious, conscientious objector, we can also do that for you, too. So they don't take a lot of hard stances and things um, mm-hmm. historically. Cause... But loving the least of these is kind of a big deal to our Well, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying, though. They took a hard stance on this. Yeah. So, and it's not just because it's a dom- denominational issue. It's a biblical issue. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So, th- yeah. So then we need to wrap up for uh, for this episode to be not over an hour. I want to just end it with a final question for Ryan. If you had to sit down and have a conversation with that person that said, you know what, I'm sorry, you, you don't like this policy of this president, I'm leaving the church. What would you say to that person? Um, I would probably, I mean, I think the first thing I would do is I'd try to listen more than I would talk, uh, which is hard. Which isn't conducive with social media. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I and I would try to. I would try to explain why I said what I said, or you know, put, shared what I shared, or did what I did. Um, but I wouldn't. I don't think I would go in with the mindset of trying to change their mind. I think it would be, like, hey, here, like, let me just explain to you my my reasoning behind it and if you still want to you know go or not be a part of this church then uh you know that's fine um as i'm a big believer that you know i i i support the church not just my church and so you know if they find another church somewhere where they feel more comfortable that's that's fine but i would be you know honest about you know i'd say like hey like this is a biblical issue this is a issue that I think, you know, Jesus was, would have been for. Um, and I just want you to understand where I'm coming from on that. And uh, agreeing to disagree is, is a lost art form. Uh, I, I, would w- I would hope that I could persuade them, but um, when you go into a, any discussion with the goal of persuading, it often turns into an argument. Uh, well, so. I think that's what discipleship shouldn't yeah. be is necessarily persuasion, but letting one another influence each other positively, hopefully to be more like Christ. Yeah. So in doing so, the desired outcome is more Christ likeness, which means there's probably going to be times where we have to agree to disagree on certain things or just be humble. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even admit we're wrong sometimes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. I mean, admitting awesome. that we're wrong is not... Not an easy thing to do. No, we like winning. <laughs> we like being the best. We want to be back-to-back world champions. Yeah. America is the greatest ever. We like that. That's easier, more comfortable. It is really difficult when when we decide to do stuff like loving the least of these, when we decide to adopt a child with special uh, needs, when we decide to actually make that our profession, where we go to work intentionally to care for the least of these. Because guess what? I, I would assume, Byron, people aren't banging down the door to work 
with with your company, right? <laughs> well, if we could pay them more, they probably would. <laughs> that's another thing you don't get paid well either. So it's like ministry in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough work, and you don't get paid much at all. Exactly. So, so loving yeah, it's difficult. Loving the least of these costs us something, but it's what we're called to do as the church. So, well, Ryan, yeah. I really, I really appreciate the time and being willing to dialogue some of these uh, pretty intense things. So, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. I just want to point out that a couple of issues I, I, I thought of after my intro is I should have shared with everybody is I was one of like 10 people at Byron's wedding. So I feel cool about that. <laughs> That's um, true. That's true. I was the only non-family. No, me and Curtis. Curtis is the other. Not, we were two, yeah. two non-family members. And also, uh, my wife and I recently gave Josiah one of the best gifts ever. <laughs> it was pretty great. You guys need to stay tuned. It'll be on our social media uh, very soon, in fact. And if you want to check us out online, you can find that all in the description. But stay tuned because it is literally like the best gift I've probably received in a while. It is hilarious. Yes. So thank you. Yes. Thanks for that, dude. Uh, apparently, it's your wife's idea, right? Yeah, it was her idea. She's like, I think we should send this to Josiah. And I said, yes. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It'll be up. And and both of them contacted me. He's like, hey, we need Josiah's uh, address because we were sending him this. And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) I wondered how they got my address. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, this is it, folks. We're wrapping up the podcast. So, as always, if you want to be part of this conversation, see what's happening here, the, the lives that are being shared, the stories that are being shared, you can find our social media links in the description. You can find us on our website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can hear about these millennials who have decided to lean in to, to contribute, to be part of the, the solution to the problems we may or may not have, the hangups we have with the church. So if you want to hear more about what millennials think, or you like hearing about the faith-based work they're doing in culture, then please join us next time on the Millennial Pastor Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. Join us next time. Thanks. Thanks.